I am thankful to call you family. Would you do that? I am thankful to call you family. The family of God. We're glad for the chance to call you family. So as we get ready to dive in the Word of God today, if you'll um, secure your smartphone and go to your YouVersion Bible app, all of the scriptures are going to be there for you today in the sermon notes. So if you'll hit the live event button and type in North Park Church. If you're going old school and you got your Bible, say amen. You can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And you can hold your place there, Luke chapter 2, and then we're going 1 John chapter 1. Those are two passages of scriptures we're going to look at today. And as you get ready to receive from God today, from His Word through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to focus your attention to the video screen this morning. What are you wishing for this Christmas season? It probably goes beyond your Amazon wish list or what you'd like to see under the tree. Your deepest wishes often have to do with regrets, failures, betrayal, broken relationships. But wishing comes with a sense of uncertainty. With all of the evil and the turmoil in the world today, everything feels uncertain. We hope for something new, something to fix the mess all around us. But instead, things just get messier. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope for many has been deferred for a long time. This is nothing new. It was into this same kind of hopeless climate that God sent hope into a broken world. People had abandoned the hope they once held, giving way to the hurt and pain and madness all around them. But true hope came in the form of a baby born in a manger. The thrill of hope is that Jesus brought hope into a world that was hopeless. He came to rescue us all. This is what makes Christmas worth celebrating. Our Savior and King, Jesus Christ, has come. Okay, I want to imagine this mob that was about 2,000 strong. You just imagine this group of people filled with moms and dads and kids and grandparents. And then in the middle of all of that, chaos broke out. The tempers began to flare and the pushing and shoving began. And when told to leave, the mob refused to go anywhere. Instead, they began to rush and human chains were formed to keep the crowd under control, but it did not work. And some fell, and some were trampled. One was left unconscious. The police had to come. EMTs arrived. CPR began. And the people at the scene said this. They felt like they were going to die. And when it was all over, one was dead, and a pregnant mother was injured. The cause of the chaos, 
Black Friday at Walmart 2008. And that is a true story. Literally, people reported we thought we were going to die. Why? Because LED TVs were $200 on sale at Walmart on Black Friday. That's a real story, y'all. That's so crazy. How in the world do we kick off the season that celebrates the birth of Jesus with something that turns into complete chaos? If you went shopping on Black Friday and you're not very smart, raise your hand. Okay, some of us, yeah, we we do that crazy thing. How many of you are like me and you don't really want to shop, you just want to see it break out? You know, you're like me, you you, you go to a sporting event to watch a fight and the hockey match breaks out. You know, you go to watch the wreck happen. Maybe for you, this season we're entering already feels more marked by chaos in your life than by peace. I mean, think about it. I mean, Christmas is such a joyful occasion. It, it, is, it is one of my, f- December is my favorite month of the entire year. My Christmas decorations have been up for almost three weeks, man. We, we, we love this time of year. I'm one of those weird people. And, and, I, and I love this idea that, that Jesus came and brought peace to the earth. But maybe you would say, man, I look at my life and I look at my family and I look at what's going on in the world around me right now and peace is not a word that I would use to describe it. Instead, maybe you would say it feels more chaotic than peaceful. We're starting a brand new series today called The Thrill of Hope. And I'm excited about it. It's a little different. It's a collaborative series that we're doing uh, with our friends at Life Point Church. Pastor Donnie Williams invited us to do this series. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be diving into the Word of God together with our friends from another church. So if you know people that go to Life Point, you can talk about these messages at, at work and over coffee and all of those things together. But what we're doing is looking at a very classic, familiar Christmas song Oh, Holy Night. And each week, we're going to pull one line of that song and talk about it as it relates to the Christmas story. But today, I want to talk to you about this one phrase. The weary world rejoices. The weary world rejoices. Can we just be honest and let's just kind of push the, 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 the big facade we wear, the masks that we wear. Can we just rip them off for a second? How, how many of you would be honest enough to say, in this season of my life, the way that I feel right now, I feel weary in my body, my soul, or my spirit? I want you to just lift your hands. Be honest. You feel weary today. There's some of us that we feel weary in our body, in our soul, or, or spirit. To feel weary just simply means this. We're tired. And you can probably relate, according to the current statistics, literally, here's what we find. One out of every seven people admit to just feeling weary and tired every single day. And tiredness causes a lot of different things. Lower work performance, it impacts the quality of our family time, can often lead to depression. And that's not just something that we experience today. That was present when Jesus came into the world. I think sometimes we think that just because we've got all of this stuff happening in our world today that we're more weary than anybody else has been. But the reality is people have always dealt with that. I mean, think about when Jesus entered the scene, when Jesus came into the world. Think about what was happening. People were tired. They were weary. 
the world was weary from, from war and oppression and, and, and terrorism and, and, and economic chaos. People were weary of a civilization that had lost its moral compass. The sick were being just discarded. Orphans were in the street. Sexuality had no boundaries. It was like every man, woman, boy, and girl were just for themselves. Sounds a lot like our world today. I mean, one quick look at the news or your social media feed, and it's very easy to feel overwhelmed and feel weary. Maybe you look at your life and, and, and you feel it. Maybe you feel like you're lonely. Maybe you, you feel health issues that you're struggling with, relationships that have gone bad, financial stress. Maybe you feel overworked and underpaid. Maybe you feel like you're just experiencing one disappointment after another. And the result of all of that in your life is it's easy to feel weary. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. It feels normal to just be tired all the time. So the question is, how do you rejoice in the middle of all of that? When you've got all of that stuff going on in your life, how do you rejoice? Well, here's what Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 says. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And then suddenly this angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Try to visualize that in the high def theater of your mind. And they were terrified. Of course they were. You'd be terrified too if an angel just appeared out of nowhere. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. And here's the news. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel of Jesus, right? I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. What's the lesson? What's the point today? Here's the lesson. It's very simple. Jesus brings us joy. And the world needed it then, the world needs it now. And let's be honest, you just admitted by raising your hand, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm frustrated, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. What I need in my life is I need some joy. Dr. Brown in a a book called Daring Greatly has some pretty good insights on joy. And this is what she writes. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. It says, joy is not happiness. Now, I I preach this to my kids all the time. There's a difference in joy and happiness. Happiness and joy are are two completely different things. Happiness is an emotional response that's tied to your situation and circumstance. If, if, if I look at you and say, come on, don't worry, be happy, what comes next? Ooh, right? Like, you don't just automatically, like, just be happy. I mean, no, no more than I can look at you and say, stop being sad all the time. Why? Because those are emotional responses that are tied to circumstances in our life. That's not what joy is. Joy is not happiness. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness depends on happenstance. But joy is an extraordinary happiness that is independent of what happens to us. 
Now, now let's kind of roll back. The last series that we just spent the last month in was on the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, not happiness. Happiness is an emotion tied to our circumstance. But joy is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So when you say yes to Jesus and you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, all of a sudden you begin to see fruit come from that experience and that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts, one of those fruits that the Holy Spirit gives to us, it is it's joy. And it's not dependent upon your circumstance. It's independent of what happens to us. And you've probably heard it said, joy doesn't depend on your circumstance, but if you're like me, you kind of need a reminder. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to repeat that after me. Would you say this? Joy does not depend on my circumstances. Say that with me. My joy does not depend on my circumstances. Come on, say it again like you mean it. My joy does not depend on my circumstances. Now, I find a lot of inspiration in a lot of different places. I find tons of inspiration from God's Word. I listen to pastors. I listen to, to great Christian men and women who are in the business world who teach me wonderful things I learned from you. I'm inspired by you. I also was inspired by Matthew McConaughey over the last couple of days. And I know that sounds weird because that's my wife's celebrity crush, okay? Uh, J-Lo is mine, but it's Matthew McConaughey, hey, hey, is my wife's. And, and so normally I would shy away from that because I'm a little um, jealous of Matthew McConaughey, but, but a motivational talk showed up in, in my feed about joy, and, and it was Matthew McConaughey, so I thought, well, let, let me see what Matthew McConaughey hey, hey, says about it, and it was truly, truly, truly inspiring to me, and these are some of the things that he said. I just want to be happy. We hear that all the time, but what is happiness? Happiness is what? An emotional response to an outcome. That Even Matthew McConaughey says so. If I win, I will be happy. If I don't, I want. And if then, cause and effect, quid pro quo standard that we cannot sustain because we immediately raise it every time we attain it. You see, happiness demands a certain outcome. It's result reliant. If happiness is what you're after, then you're going to be let down frequently and unhappy most of the time. Joy, however, is something completely different. It's not a choice. It's not a response to some result. It is a constant. He says it's a feeling that we have from doing what we were fashioned to do, what we were created to do, no matter the outcome. And then he goes into this, 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 this lesson, and he said so much of his life, happiness was tied to three things. Box office success. He's an actor accolades that he received for doing a great job at his craft and then having the, 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 the applause of his peers. Those three things were very important to him. And the more that he sought after those three things, accolades and, and, and applause and, and box office success, like every day he was chasing after those things, yet no matter how hard he tried, he never could quite feel happy about the outcome that he experienced. Now let's hit the pause button. You feel exactly the same way in a lot of areas of your life. 
Man, you, you want that promotion. You want your bank account to be a certain amount. You, you want to hit these goals. You want to hit these outcomes that you've kind of put out there as, as something you're shooting for. And because you've not reached them, some of you think, man, I should be further along at this age right now. I, sh- I should be experiencing this. And because you're not experiencing whatever that is, all of a sudden you start to devalue yourself. You, you start to kind of lose a little bit of that excitement and the things that you do and and then all of a sudden you just find yourself just kind of showing up uh, using your job and whatever it is that you do every day as a means to an end and yet being miserable in it as you do it. And, and as I listened that, I thought, you know what? I even fall into that sometimes. If, if I, and I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes if I'm not careful, we begin to tie our success to, to numbers. Like how many people showed up on Sunday? Or how many people like made a decision to follow Jesus this week? Or, 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 or how many people told me that I did a really good job after I preached that message? And if some of those things didn't start happening, if those boxes weren't getting checked, all of a sudden like I started struggling on, on a day-to-day basis. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I'm not as excited as I I once was. Like, I can't quite seem to attain what it is that we're striving for so much. And, And then he goes back and he says, but here's what I decided to do. I wanted to make the most of what I was doing every day. The doing of the deed became the reward in itself. I got, I got more joy in doing what I do every single day because instead of working for an end goal, I just was reminded I love what I do every day. And I began to find more purpose in that. Enjoyment. See, that's what enjoyment is. It's finding joy in something. And I just had to go back to Jesus and say, you know what? I find joy just being a follower of him. I find joy just loving people and encouraging people. I find joy just spending time with people and making an investment in their life. I don't need some accolade. I don't need some applause. I don't need to check off some list. I want to find purpose in the way that I live my life every single day. I want to find joy again and recognize that Jesus is enough. I don't need anything else. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You already have everything you need in your heart and life to experience joy. But if your focus is on all of this other stuff and not the promises and and, and the relationship that you can have with Jesus, you're going to be way off track. And so we've got to get back and allow the main thing to kind of be the main thing. And one of Jesus' closest friends, the Apostle John, had something to say about it. In the first few letters that he wrote in the first John, um, in the first few verses of the letter, rather, known as First John, we see one of the most profound verses that we can see about Jesus. And this is what he says in verse 1. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He, Jesus, he is the word of life. What's the point? Jesus is real. John starts by saying, like, this isn't a fable. This isn't a story. This is real. We saw him. They believed him. They were willing to die for him. 
And verse 2 says, The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him, and we now testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he revealed himself to us. Not only is he real, but Jesus is life. He's everything. He is truly everything to us. I love what Tim Keller writes. He says, in every other religion, the founder is a prophet or a sage. And the founder says, here is the way for you to find eternal life. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and you will be saved. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity doesn't say that Jesus is some great prophet pointing the way to God and how we can save ourselves. Jesus Christ, according to Christmas, is God who has come to save us, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. To know Him is to know eternal life. See, I really believe that finding joy and finding peace and walking in that every single day is about your perspective and it's about your focus. And what I have to do is make a conscious effort every single day to not allow my focus to shift from Jesus and this relationship with Him and allow it to shift to all of this other stuff in my life that causes confusion, chaos, and weariness. And when I don't walk in that relationship with Him, I don't experience that joy every day. And I do end up walking in chaos, confusion, and even fear. And the reality is, when you're truly walking in joy, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what's happening out here. Because what's happening out here does not impact what's happening in here. I can have all kinds of stuff going on out here, but inside my heart I can have hope. I'm convinced you do not have to live weary and exhausted all of the time. Listen to what John says as he continues. We proclaim to you that what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, we do that so that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He's saying not only is He real, not only is He life, but here's the deal. Here's the greatest thing. He is with us. Jesus is with you. My favorite part of the Christmas story is when the Word of God says, and His name shall be called Emmanuel, which translates God with us. No matter what you're going through today, you are not alone. No matter how lonely you may feel, you are not alone. I I want you right where you are. I want you to get this for a second. That's why I'm just kind of pausing. I'm not stalling. I want you to get this. So would you just say these words with me? Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. Say it again. Jesus is with me. One more time. Jesus is with me. Christmas means that the one who loves us, 
the one who created us, I love this, wrote himself into our story. And he came because he wants fellowship and relationship with us. Jesus came because he wanted you to know love. And so he demonstrated his love for you. Why does John say all of this in verse 4? He tells us why. Look at verse 4. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. What's he saying? Jesus brings joy. All right, pastor, I get it. But how do I get there? Because the reality is you can be here today. You can be intellectually and emotionally here and agree with everything that the Bible says, but still leave weary without joy and unhappy. Here's what I want you to see. Like joy, I think, is this is a process. I mean, like for some of us, like joy is this thing that's way over there and we're way over here and we don't know how to close that gap. Like we get it, we believe it. We, we, okay, I, I do agree with what the pastor says today, but the reality is we feel as if joy is way over there and somehow we have to close the gap. And, and, and here's the reality. You didn't get weary overnight. I tell couples all the time, they'll come in and, 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 and be frustrated and, and, and a lot of time has passed and a lot of hurt has happened and we want things to just be fixed overnight and it doesn't happen that way. And I often remind people, it didn't get this way overnight. It's not all of a sudden going to just drastically change overnight. This is going to be a process of healing, a process of restoration. For some of us, we have to unlearn some bad habits and we've got we've to learn some new habits thinking in the right way and having the right perspective. Some of that is a journey that we've got to take. But I want to help you over the next few weeks, and I know you're extremely busy. And it's going to be a challenge for some of you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to download the YouVersion Bible app. And before you leave this room today, I really encourage you, before you walk out of this room, I encourage you to find a Bible reading plan for Christmas and start that Bible reading plan. And right now in your heart, make a commitment to it every day. That every day, I'm going to fill my heart with the Word of God. You can friend me on there, and you can invite me to do the plan. I'll do the plan with you. We'll do it all together, whatever we've got to do. But let's get the Word of God in our heart. It's a journey, and we need to take that journey together. And here's the second thing that I want you to do. I want you to begin, as the old song says, to count your blessings and name them one by one. Because we get so consumed and fixated on the problems and the things that we don't see God doing. But if we would start counting the promises and blessings of God, the things that he has done in our lives, oh my goodness, it would so far outweigh all these things over here that we put in our problem category. I mean, you spreadsheet people, you should be the best at this. Man, you grab you a spreadsheet and you just start listing out all your problems. Just write every one of them down. And the reality is you probably only have a few. But the spreadsheet couldn't hold all the things that God has done in your life. And we need to take an opportunity to begin to write those things down. Why? Because if you're like me and you get weary and you start getting a little tired, here's what you'll do. You will lose focus and you will focus more on your problems than you do God's promises and his blessings. 
There is something, y'all. There is something. There is a definite link between our gratitude and our joy. I don't know why. But the more grateful we are, the more joy we feel. The more discouraged that I feel. Here's the thing. If I would just start reaching out and encouraging people and express my gratitude to them, no matter how I feel on the inside of me, all of a sudden I just start feeling better. And you can't trust your feelings. I'm not talking about feelings and emotions and all those things. I'm just saying it's about focus and perspective. When when I get frustrated and I get tired, I, I grab my phone and I just start texting people and try to encourage them. And, and with every text message that I send, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm cheering you on. I'm thankful. You're a gift in my life. Every time I do that, it's like I just feel something rise up within my heart. What am I doing? I'm not focusing on my problem. I'm not focusing on what's making me so tired and frustrated. Instead, I'm focusing on the wonderful gifts that God's given me, and I'm celebrating those gifts. There's a link to gratitude and your joy. So open a Bible reading plan, start reading that this week. But here's the second thing I want you to do. Every single day, here's what I want you to do. First thing that you do in the morning after you read your Bible reading plan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down five things that you were grateful for. Five things that you were grateful for and do that every single day. And then revisit that list throughout the day. I did this yesterday, but I didn't just write them down. I got super creative. I took pictures of them because I thought, I'm going to share them with our church family today. Let me tell you what I was grateful for yesterday. Here's what it looks like. Here's the first one. This is a, a, this is a, 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 a metal artwork that kind of hangs in our bedroom. This is what it says. I have found the one whom my soul loves. I am thankful for my wife. I am thankful that she gives me strength every single day. I am thankful that she is a picture of what it looks like to fight with everything you have within you for the things that matter most in your life. I am grateful for my wife. Now, are there things that drive me crazy about her? You better believe it. But that one thing she does that drives me crazy is so outweighed by all that I'm grateful for in my relationship. But some of us in our relationships, we get so focused on the things that someone has done wrong that we can't even see the things that they've done right. Someone told me a long time ago, love me more for the things I do right than despise me for the things I do wrong. I'm grateful for my wife. Here's the second thing I'm grateful for. I took this picture. Um, My kids have a really bad habit. And their bad habit is they leave their shoes wherever they darn well please. And my son leaves his shoes outside of my bedroom door. I don't know why. The mudroom's like right there. And so I stumble out in the middle of the night and there's his shoes. And my, my daughter, she, she leaves her shoes in the kitchen. Sometimes on the kitchen counter. But most of the time, like right by the kitchen counter. Why did I take a picture of that? Some of you that... You're like me, you're getting on up there. You realize that the shoes are not always on the kitchen floor. And I'm realizing that his shoes are not outside my door as much as they used to be. Because my kids are growing up and they've got independence and they're living their life and my daughter's off at college and my son's got a car and and he's just gone with his buddies and, and we find ourselves sitting at the kitchen table alone sometimes. And the older I get, the more thankful I am that the shoes are where they're not really supposed to be. But to me, they symbolize my kids are home. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm thankful for my kids. Here's the, here's the next thing I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for legacy and heritage. Some of you are thinking, well, that's just a Bible. It's not just any old Bible. It is a beat up, tore up Bible. And it even smells bad. I don't even know how, how a Bible can smell that bad. It smells bad. When I try to read it, I have to kind of hold it from here. Not because my eyesight's bad. It smells bad. But it's a Bible my mom gave to me. And it was my mom's Bible. And it's filled with notes and, 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 this, and this, this one thing that you see here. And, and it's so crazy. It's, it's the order of worship from a church Christmas play from like probably 20 years ago. That she just kind of stuck in her Bible. And as you read it, it, it shows what each scene is and what their songs are and what's happened. It, it's, it's, it's memories. But here's what it is to me. When I pick up that Bible, it's a legacy. It's a reminder that I am who I am today because of people who have made an investment in my life. And I'm not just a product of promises that God's made to me. I'm a product of promises that God's made to somebody else. And so are you. I'm thankful for heritage. Here's the next thing I'm thankful for. Coffee. Are you thankful for coffee? Don't you just love some coffee? I love some coffee, but that's not why this picture was taken. If you'll pay really close attention, this is coffee that was sent to me from El Salvador. And every time I open the counter and I see this coffee that's sitting in my counter, it's a reminder that I don't just have friends here. God's gifted me with friends around the world who loved me enough to bring me coffee when they visited from El Salvador. I'm thankful for relationships. And that's why I'm thankful for this last one. I'm thankful for you. There's not a day that goes by that I don't thank God for the gift that you are in my life. Marianne and I are so thankful that we don't have to walk this journey alone. We, we, don't, we don't have to walk this journey by ourselves, but we are surrounded by people that God has gifted us with to help love us and lead people and pastor our city and help raise our kids and and just walk this journey with us. You are a gift in our life. And when I begin to count all of those blessings that God has given to me, what happens? I just feel joy just rise in my heart. And I believe if you'll begin to take some of those small steps every day, here's what's going to happen. Those small steps are going to lead you to joy in a really big way. And it's all going to point you to Jesus. And I believe that in Him there is more, more joy than you will ever be able to contain. And, and, and there's probably not many sermons that I preach that don't go back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. I know you're frustrated. I know you're tired. I know you feel weary. Don't worry about anything but what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and what? Thank Him for what He's done. And if you will do those things, taking those small steps, here's what Paul says, then the peace of God will guard, it will guard you, will guard your heart and mind as you walk in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me right now? And can we pray together? Jesus, I thank you that you are the author of our joy. And Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that even when we get overwhelmed because we get so distracted, 
We get so distracted by all of this stuff in our life. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you were constantly just pulling our focus back to you. You're pulling our heart back to you. And Lord, I'm so thankful for our church family that's here today. In the middle of all of the things happening in their life, they come together as a family. They come to worship. They come to lift your name. They come to study your word. They come to be equipped. Um, by the, by the power of your spirit with the gospel of Jesus to go out and be who you've called them to be. Lord, they come to encourage other people and use their gifts and serve. Lord, and I believe as we live that way every day, that we stay in your word and we love others and we reach out and we reach up to you. Lord, taking those steps every single day. God, those small steps lead us to joy in a big way. And I know that Sometimes our problems feel so overwhelming. But Lord, in comparison to your power and your glory and your promises at work in our life, God, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And Lord, I thank you for the incredible depths that you have gone for us to enjoy that relationship. And I pray if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would just simply say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm a sinner and I need your grace. And I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, and set me free. Give me strength to live this life for you. And we're going to be quick to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We want to give you time. We want to give you time. We want to give you space to really listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about this morning. Someone shared with me last week after service that a member of their family just kind of shared a little faith story, a little testimony at the end of service and just said, you know what, I, I never really felt the Lord move in my life that way. And, and then they said this, I believe that was the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, but you got to give Him space to listen. You got to give Him time. We're so busy with the hustle and bustle. He's speaking, but we're just, we're not listening. And so I challenge you to take some time this morning, hit the pause button long enough to really ask, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about through this message? And then what steps is He giving you to take? Because when he begins to speak and move in your life, he'll give you the steps to take. But here's the great news about it. He gives you the courage that it takes to take those steps in your life. And so in these next few moments, just take some time. Listen to what he's saying. Write those things down. Worship. Pray. Whatever.